1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here as always and it's a bit of a late episode. We thought why not give it another 24 hours and of course we're going to reflect on the 2-1 win over Chelsea but of course this is being recorded on Monday so we wanted to kind of watch the FA Cup Youth Final Villa versus Liverpool of course another 2-1 win so two ones all the way around in the last 48 hours a very good 48 hours indeed for Villa in their entirety but of course it's not just me here we do have Danny Raza and Sebastian Bacon as well we'll go to Danny Raza first how's it going hey dude um don't know why you asked me to do a podcast on my birthday but uh you know happy
2: birthday
3: I'm happy here birthday. nonetheless
1: Thanks, shall man. we shall we sing no I that's can not. sing no it's sure? not you're on your own here we're, we're I can here, do any here. I can do any tone you want go for um it. It. no. It's oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. I, can, I can do it um, like Stormzy or something if you want. You sound
3: like you I really want wait. to do this. hold, hold on. Wait wait, 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 wait. Like Stormzy? Yeah. I'm not No, no. I'm I'm going to stop you right there. This could turn out to be very bad. Go for it. Please, please. What a way to start the episode. The viewers <laughs> yeah, want cool. it. Yeah, This yeah, is what they us, want. Show us show us how Stormzy raps, Cole. <laughs> <No>, I'm
1: good.
2: <laughs> no, you can't make false promises. Oh, let down. letdown. What's hope. the
1: Canadian Equivalent of Stormzy, uh, Justin Bieber probably. <laughs> no Drake, Drake. I guess. I was gonna
3: say <laughs> the obvious one's Drake, and you've gone straight to Justin Bieber. <laughs>
2: you missed out, Drake. Oh,
1: what is this podcast?
2: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. If you guys ever listened to the For the Love of Paul McGraw podcast, I I put that on last night when I was doing my dishes, and the end of it is, of course, everyone's favorite Irishman Neil Dunworth singing "Sweet Caroline." um and his right hand man patty going ooh, ooh, ooh in the background <laughs> for like two minutes so i was gonna try to top that but i didn't anyways but of course you can hear him i'll say and i'll go to him now i should say sebi how's it going
2: um very well thank you well,
1: that's simple enough i was expecting a better <laughs> yeah. intro than that but nonetheless <laughs> let's let's move on i don't know what Wait, this intro has been yeah
3: cool just you know i i feel like it's a good place to start here right i, I i'm throwing you i'm throwing you off because i know you want to you wanna get into this with your with your pre-scripted intro. But like <laughs> do you know what the first thing on my mind was about fans being back? What's that? Who's coming up with the songs? Like, cause cause straight straight away, right? There's 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 chance, yeah? There's songs. There's an Ollie Watkins song. Who's choreographing that? Like, who's 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 like decided right? This is this is the song we're using for this player. Because well, you imagine if one person singing it in the tone of one song,
2: someone singing it in the other.
3: Yeah, well get- <laughs> Seb's wagging his fingers, so still.
1: I want to hear what he has to say <laughs> I, about that.
2: I could just imagine someone who's had one too many in the Aston Tavern beforehand getting his lads together and going, right, boys, I've got an idea. Da, 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 da. And coming up with a chat <laughs> and then like sat around the who's table for? drinking.
3: <laughs> who's that who's that song for? I don't know. I feel like that's spot.
1: just the the bass song for anybody yeah. if you can't come up with anything happy birthday duh, duh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest intro is that your Drake impression <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's my uh tragically hip impression just kidding um if anyone knows them it's a canadian band but anyways let's move on of course oh, um Well, thanks. Apparently Canadians are irrelevant, (laughs) but anyways, um, RIP Gore Downey. But anyways, um, (laughs) guys, let's get on to this game. I don't know what this podcast has been so far. Aston Villa 2, Chelsea 1, two wins in the last two for Villa. Perfect ending to the season. Seb, I'll come back to you first. I mean what a last two last couple games and what a win on Sunday I should say
2: I know yeah I mean I can't believe I'm saying it but Dean Smith proved his doubt was wrong really in those two weeks I think both games he got his tactics spot on I think he played to Chelsea's weakness um we've proved many times against the top six clubs that we're better on the counter-attack and I think almost told them to sit back a bit wait and then we can press them where it hurts and I mean we got the corner which led to the goal from a counter-attack and then the second goal again penalty which came from a counter-attack so I mean Tuchel couldn't deal with us he was too busy thinking about a flake and a 99 but I mean it was a nice way to round it off it was nice to have a final game of the season that with nothing riding on it. I think it's the first time in, what, three, four years that we, we've we gone into the last game of the season knowing what division we're going to be in. So, I mean, it lets us prepare for next season. We can be more organised. We can start thinking about the summer market, as many media outlets have already started to do. Um, but, yeah, it puts us in a good position all round. And to take three points off a top six club, I'm not complaining with that.
1: Yeah, massively. And I mean, probably Premier League-wise, you could probably say we haven't been this comfortable in 10-plus years. So um, especially for me as an international fan, it's something I'm not used to, and it's uh, it's almost been comfortably uncomfortable, if that's even a thing. But, Danny, I'll come to you. What's the bigger talking point? This win or Chelsea complaining to the Premier League that our uh, stewards outside with their bus that making them wait 15 minutes because they're having ice cream?
3: Yeah, no, that was quite funny, wasn't it? Actually, yeah. I saw the... You saw you saw the little memes of Thomas Muller, you know, the press conference meme of him, <laughs> you know. We called them Aston Vanilla. Aston Vanilla, right? You saw the little tweets. It was it was it was it was a joke that was made, right, to 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 exist. I mean, <laughs> let's let's explain this because I'm not sure if anybody oh, knows what we're talking about. But, me but like but like at the end of the day, Chelsea lost. <laughs> And they decided to throw in a complaint that Villa stewards were holding them up because they were eating ice cream. First of all, there's so many holes I want to pick into this story, right? <laughs> the weather's not been good in Birmingham. Why are they eating ice cream, first of all? Um. Second of all, I want to know if this was, you know, actual shithousery. Like, were they told? Were they told to hold up the Chelsea team?
1: Probably Danny. not, but... Maybe that is why Tukul is so sour. He didn't get a an ice cream sandwich. What's an ice cream sandwich? Are you serious?
2: What's an ice cream sandwich?
1: It's what, ice like, cream it's in, like a egg? in a sandwich with like it's what like, type of bread? What
3: type of bread? No, do you put it's it in? not
1: bread. It's like made with. Oh, okay. let never mind. Go on with your point. Oh my god. No, 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 no. What type of bread do you put ice cream? Do you put an ice cream. You don't put bread. In? It's just like a chocolate, like kind of like cookie thing with ice cream in the middle do you know like if you if you order a sandwich in the uk you can usually like <laughs> not, you have the
3: option to have it between bread yeah, you, you, <laughs> you have, have the ice to, cream like, and
1: bread what kind of sicko are you well
3: <laughs> you have the option to put it in like a panini or like you also have the option to put it in a wrap what i'm asking is <laughs> what kind of bread does the ice cream
1: go in i said what like a I chocolate kind of like crumb kind of whatever i don't even know kind of like okay. um like I, you know how you put s'mores like with the, uh, the thing. I don't even know what, I'm I'm uh, like I don't know whatever I'll shut up go on. <laughs> All right, tactically, tactically,
3: you know at the end of the day, the 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 stewards might have been planning to hold off Chelsea in their own way. <laughs> our defense held them off in our own way. Ezri oh. Konsa starting at right back. Courtney Hawes coming in having another terrific game, and to be honest. For me, Villa just looking fairly comfortable, apart from about a 30-minute spell. And for me, uh, Greedish coming back into the team, Bertrand Traore absolutely making them look silly. It lets us all kind of have a little bit of hope heading into next season that, hey, when our team is fully fit, we can do things. But it also raises that point. This whole victory, if we're going to summarise it, and I know we haven't even gotten into the goals yet, raises the point for us next season of how do we prevent, you know, um, a slip happening again when Jack Grealish perhaps gets another injury
1: yeah no I think I think that's interesting and I know Danny we kind of talked about a few things when we did our little casual Twitter thing uh, last night with a few uh, just random people that joined in we actually had a really good discussion and the one thing that I can't remember if I brought up or someone else brought up was the contributions of Anwar Algazi and Bertrand Traore that's 10 goals for Algazi and 7 for Traore and you know what? I'll I'll kind of raise my hand up too, saying at certain points of season, they're not good enough or giving them criticism. And you know what? On a game by game basis, that can be true sometimes, but it's a hell of a contribution for both of them. And for one, more than anything on Al Ghazi, no one expected him to probably even get up half those goals, in my opinion. So um, I know you're a fan of him, Danny, because he just shoots. And I think That is something that's. I can't remember the uh, the guy's name that we were having the discussion with, and he kind of raised some good points about it too. But we just need more shooters in this team. It's it's nice to be cute and to make great plays, but if you're not having someone bold enough to take shots, whether when, you know what, maybe the angle's not there, I'm going to create my own angle, or you know what, I just have to take this on myself. We need more of that. So whether it's getting to the next level of player and getting a true finisher in that way or whatever it's it's a great input and i think it puts him firmly in that kind of wing position to be his to maybe lose unless we go and spend 30 odd million on a winger which i don't know it seems like dean smith kind of comes out one day saying it's an exciting summer and the next oh you know what we're not making massive signings, so i'm sure it's just kind of a bit of uh hokery pokery on his part if that kind of makes sense pardon was that said was that said yeah today
3: oh okay that's a shame yeah, but also, you know, probably isn't a shame. It's probably a case of listen, lads, your player's not worth thirty million. <laughs> it's worth twenty million. That's what we're willing to pay. You got to remember to take all of these things from from managers with a pinch of salt. But, Cole, I mean, you talk about Argazian. I'll pass. I'll pass the baton, so to speak, to, to to Seb. But for me, that was Bertrand Traore's game, wasn't it? Traore, Traore ran that. He ran that from from the missed opportunity after he like tapped the ball over a couple of defenders to the goal to just forcing Chelsea to foul, foul, foul him until he wins a penalty.
2: Um, I don't know what you thought, Seb, especially of that first goal. Yeah, he caused some many problems, didn't he? And I think Bertrand Traore as a whole is really surprised this season. I mean, when we, when we bought him in the summer, many fans were talking to French fans online and they were saying that, you know, we won't enjoy him and he won't be a successful signing, but he's come back and proved everyone wrong. Um, He's, he's dominated in games, he's ran some games. You know, when Grealish was out, he's probably the closest thing we had to a Jack Grealish in terms of the players would end up looking towards him to create something and make something happen. And I mean, just for the Man City game alone, where he took that touch at the Etihad and could have finished it off in style, you know, what a goal that would have been. It's it's been a really good season for him and one that he can cement now and then use to push on next season. I think we will spend money on attacking options. However, the fact that Anwar and Triore have both made themselves look comfortable in recent weeks, it's probably gone from being a two-winger summer. To being probably a one-winger summer with Jack Grealish, triore and El Ghazi. I think touching on El Ghazi for a second, El Ghazi reminds me of Aston Villa as a club in general. When we signed El Ghazi, you know, he was good, but you could see that there were strengths that he could go to. And I think every season he's improved consistently, which is exactly the same as Villa as a club. I mean, last season, Villa, when we were struggling, we would Getting too many draws. I remember being sat here going, you know, if we turn these draws into wins, we'd be fine. Well, this season we've turned last season's losses into this season's draws and last season's draws into this season's wins. If that makes it I mean, I hope that makes sense. And similar to Al Ghazi, I mean, he's gone from strength to strength. He stepped up. He probably should have been player of the month in December. And, you know, he's he's formed a very formidable partnership on that wing.
1: Yeah, massively, and I, I think another player we can touch on now is uh, that man, Marvels Nakamba, good old Marv, showing up when needed. Um, I, I put a, I, well, it wasn't really a poll, just kind of a tweet out earlier on the 7500 hold account asking everyone's man of the match, and 90, probably 5% of them were Marvel's Nakamba, and you know what, you can't really say anything against that. Maybe the odd few will go with a few others, but Danny, he just didn't really put really? a foot wrong yesterday. I thought... He was a little bit dodgy yesterday. You think? I'm I thought really, he was Yeah. yeah.
3: No. I, no. No, no, no. No, listen, listen. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm marvellous Nakamba's biggest fan. I, I thought he was great against Spurs. Um, I did think that... Big up
2: Nakamba. So,
3: you know, that, you know that first sort of 30 minutes or so where we were kind of on the back foot? He was lo- he was losing the ball quite a bit. But I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's a myth, you know, when people say that Nakamba can't pass. He's a very good passer of the ball. Um, and I think he works really well on that team. It gives McGinn more freedom. It gives Grealish more freedom as well. You know, he's he's more assured, I think, as a defender than Dougie Louise. And to be fair to Marvelous, every time he's come in ahead of Douglas Louise, he's come in and you know basically shown that we're not missing him. Um, which that's that's not um, that's not a cris- criticism of Douglas Louise, by the way. I think what we've got to do is like you know we've got to realize that if we're if we're praising Douglas Louise as a Brazil under twenty three captain. We've got to look at Marvelous Nicamber as one of the seriously up and coming African players. Like he is he is a very good player. I could imagine him to, I could imagine him playing in a Champions League team. I'm not talking about Chelsea, Man United, whatever. I he played in a
2: championship team for a, for time, didn't he? Was it with Champions his... League team? Yeah, in Belgium, yeah. right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. But I mean, he you can know, if he play if, at that level. Yeah,
3: absolutely. This is what I mean. Like, if if he if he was in that, like, say for example, the Lille title winning team. Yeah, if he was in that team, I wouldn't bat an eyelid. He is that kind of player. I I just think that we're probably underrating him a little bit as uh, as Villa fans, purely because he's been kind of that unknown quantity for so long. I don't think he's an unknown quantity anymore. We know what he can do.
2: The problem is, though, right? With with bit part players, is you never truly see what they can do on a consistent basis. I mean, the reason he's underappreciated probably is the fact that he normally gets 90 minutes every once a month, maybe. And you can't really truly decipher if that's enough to be a good, good player, if you know what I mean. Like, I love Nakamba, like you said, but would he work week in, week out? I think he played against Sheffield United. He had a good game prior to Sheffield United away. And Smith stuck him in again. And that was the game where we lacked forward creativity. Our final ball wasn't there. And, I mean, in the end, we didn't end up scoring much to our frustration. So I think certain games suit him probably better. Whereas if we put Douglas Louise in for maybe Sheffield United, you know, he's better with his longer range passing than Nakamba. Nakamba's very calm and collected on the ball. So maybe if that gives us a fluidity and just another option, I think having two different types of midfielders almost is is not a problem at all.
1: Yeah, massively. And you know what, even if we move on to the goals now, I mean, I, there's another positive to and a blessing. I don't remember the last time this actually happened. Villa scored from a corner of course it wasn't headed into the box or anything. It was actually a kind of a, a set piece kind of trick play, whatever you want to call it. And it actually came off for once. Maybe it's end of the season, just kind of being end of the season kind of things, but I'm still shocked that happens. And if either of you go guys know the last time we scored from a corner, I would, honestly love to hear it because I genuinely can't remember it's been that long and of course that man Bertie Traore also gets the penalty as well so him being fully busy in that regard as well I guess you can give him the goal and the assist kind of in that category and a lot of praise has to go to uh, Maddie Target as well for pointing that out for the opening goal albeit scuffed but Danny I'll come back to you I mean maybe I didn't describe these two goals in the best way possible but what were your thoughts on them? I mean, Bruno Traore once again, he's just getting in there when he need him the most. Yeah,
3: I think as well. Just you know, Bertrand Traore is brilliant. He was, he was he was brilliant in that game. I think um, he was causing so much trouble for Chelsea. There was times when they switched El Ghazi and and Triore left to right. And I think um, he almost scored early on. Sometimes his, his finishing kind of lacks and we need to sort of sort that out, but I'm sure he will get there. Um, reminds me a lot of sort of like early days of Jack Grealish when he would get into the box and then not kind of bang one in. Um, I think the goal was brilliant. Obviously Matty Target, well-worked corner. They've obviously practiced that in training. The Chelsea defending there was woeful for a side that's been so good. Um, you know, Edward Mendy are actually keep, keeping more clean sheets than, than Emi Martinez so far this season. So, um, you know, they, they are, they are a good defensive side, Chelsea. And um, then with the, you know, it's a great finish, by the way, from Bertrand Tregor. It's, it's just, it's just not going to be saved. Uh, but when it comes to the, to the penalty, that was coming. That was coming because uh, Ch- Chelsea decided at some point after Villa scored that goal, that their style of defending would be to just chop Villa players down. You know stop the attack oh Villa are gonna go on a counter right we're gonna chop we're gonna chop him down we're gonna chop him down Traore would get the ball chopped down and you know I don't know if it was just late challenges or I don't know if it was a if it was a strategy but it came back to bite them because Traore was making them look silly there was they weren't getting the ball off him in legal means and you know eventually they villa get the penalty and uh, listen there's not a better penalty taker at Villa Park than Anuel Ghazi, and I think really his his penalty record
1: probably rivals uh, rivals Bruno Fernandez weren't they trying to make him retake it at one point because he slipped a bit or something
3: yeah but it was it was it was a uh, still one shot I don't yeah think I'm, talking, he but didn't I'm just the ball
1: th- there's no way you can touch the ball twice and hit it that cleanly still while slipping but maybe that's just no since all goals he had his finest more than I mean, any you're gonna
3: complain you're gonna complain this is a this is a big game for Chelsea this is a huge game for Chelsea yeah obviously they made it through in the end but you know it wasn't in their hands that they would get into the Champions League.
1: Do we think so, that's a bit of a, a shame though? Like some part of me just wanted to beat them so they missed out. And they were just they were kind of crap and they still got through it just because Leicester kind of shot themselves in the foot.
3: Blame yeah, I mean blame Leicester though, right? Like blame Leicester. They yeah. got Spurs against Spurs. Less. So
2: <laughs> I I couldn't care. Villarán involved, whoever wants it can have it. I could not care less.
3: Yeah, yeah. Fair play, Seb.
1: So. Fair enough. But, um
2: touching on our set pieces just very quickly. Yep. Um I have I think I said it when I covered the game for the Twitter account a while ago that I've seen circles with better corners than Aston Villa. We just, our set pieces in general just don't work with Villa and it's really confusing because the amount of aerial presence we, we are able to have on the pitch is baffling that we normally can't seem to work it towards anything it normally leads to a free header which we miss or it probably doesn't beat the first man if if you're talking about ross barkley's set pieces i know he's not our problem anymore so i won't get onto him um but yesterday i think it shows that when the pressure's off it allows the manager and the coaching staff to maybe have a bit more freedom on the training pitch they were going into the game knowing that What No matter what they got, they were finishing 11th. So maybe it was something that they thought, yeah, why not try it? Let's catch them out at the back post. I mean, I'm sure they've watched hours of Chelsea defending set pieces from this season because, you know, that's what they're paid to do ultimately. But the fact it worked a treat is so nice to see after such a long time.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, let's get over to the three word reviews. Of course, you can go over to the 7500 Holt 7500 to Holt. Sorry, Twitter account, of course, at 7500 to Holt. After every match, I kind of go on there and just ask you for your three word summaries, as simple as that. And of course, always thank you very much for the input, it's always appreciated. Um and you know what for being the last game there were some quite funny ones too if I can actually find them in time because I don't know why I decided to retweet so many things and push that thread further down, but always to be me. But anyways, let's get into them. Uh Less World says browned stain pants. Um, Less I I hope that's because of the game, but anyways, uh, Ernie Barnhurst says great efforts, lads. Uh, Macavilla, <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> so-
2: sorry, no, just- <laughs> it's a good job Daniel's on mute because he's just spat out any remaining bits of drink that he just taken. I couldn't let that slide. I'm sorry.
1: That's it. It's all good.
3: Cole's uh, brilliant. Cole's brilliant for like reading stuff out before reading it. It's so funny. <laughs>
1: Hey, it's it's still somewhat appropriate, so we'll, we'll, we'll I'll review it an extra time when I'm actually reviewing this. But uh, Tony Whiting saying "Super Marvelous Nakamba," Simon H Marvelous Marvelous Nikamba. Uh We'll do two more: Phil V uh, Gutsy Brilliant. Uh, my team he kind of hyphenated it, so I'll, I'll give him that one and see end of the season, of course. And it's a big win, and we'll end it off with. Uh, Jake McIntyre next year you up and I think that's probably the best way to end this so thank you everyone for your contributions this year for getting involved of course we'll bring this back uh, next season it seemed to Honestly, really uh, kind of kick off and gain everyone's interest, really. So, this will be something we will, of course, continue to do. But, uh, anyways, Danny, I'll move it over to you. I'll put you right on the spot after accidentally spitting your water out or whatever it was. I didn't see it because I wasn't looking at it. But who was your man of the match?
3: Urchin Traore, every day of the week. He ran the game. We played through him. Jack Grealish was good for sure. But, man, It's like Bertrand Traore had something, you know, lit up behind him because I think it just came up against a former team and decided that he was going to be, you know, decided that he was going to be on another level. So fair play to him. Chelsea couldn't get anywhere near him. Drew Drew fouls like Jack Grealish himself. And uh, yeah, just sublime to watch as he is sometimes very, very silky player. Fair play. Seb, how about you?
2: I think I wrote in my player ratings that Nakamba was my man of the match. So sure, I probably got to stick with that. I mean, I did think he was very good and kept a quick, pacey, dan- dangerous Chelsea attack at bay, really.
1: That's fair. That's fair. I, You know what? The, the thing that really kind of one thing that annoyed me about yesterday was that that one goal that what crept in that I thought Emmy Martinez got to it somehow with some unworldly power. And I would have easily given a man of the match just for keeping that clean sheet to break that record. Of course, that's been withstood for several years now from Brad Friedel, but I have to go with Marv as well. I mean, in my opinion, he didn't put a foot wrong. He got rid of the ball when needed. And I I think that's been one of the main kind of criticisms I've gained this team at times, especially over the last two seasons, is holding on to the ball for too long when he really shouldn't be. And maybe part of that's panic on his part, but I do just love a kind of a a sweeper up there that can get rid of it and just kind of make things a little bit more simple. Uh, Simple is always good for me, so I'll keep it that way, of course. But anyways, guys, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with the rest of the podcast. And welcome back to the second half of this edition of the Holtcast. Of course, we're going to switch focuses from the first team onto the youth setup, of course, because it was the FA Youth Cup final this evening. Of course, you're hearing this on a Tuesday. It was last night. I hope that all makes sense. But, anyways, Villa ran out 2 1 winners, of course. Um, I mean Danny, I'll come to you first. It's just uh I don't know what Sev's laughing at and I don't know what this podcast is, but anyways. It's because I'm yawning.
3: It's because I'm yawning, because well, I'm tired I- as
1: heck. I appreciate your excitement for what I'm going to ask you now, but it's it's just a brilliant moment for the club, isn't it? I mean, I think I saw that the coaching staff uh, mentioned afterwards to uh, the Birmingham Mail in particular that I think Christian Perslow was there, and they kind of just mentioned and briefly touched on the fact that having him, like someone like him, involved the club there kind of what it means to the stature of it and the importance of it really, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, it's good to see that they were there, not just kind of like sitting at home watching it on the TV screens. You know, even to see like Dean Smith kind of like sit there in the stands like a proud dad at a year five assembly. You know, it was good to see. It was good to see. Um, it was a, And you know what What was even better? I think more than anything, like you say what you like about personal being there or whatever, the fact that we had thousands of fans in the stadium cheering the lads on was brilliant and cheering the lads out at full pelt as well. It's home advantage, serious home advantage. And it was, you know, it was obvious you could see that. And I think that um, Liverpool were probably a little bit flustered by it, but uh, wow, I have to say what a performance and what an advert for for Villa's future. Uh, every single one of those boys put in a shift today. I'll, I'll tell you that right now before even getting into the game.
1: Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where you look at it too, and you mentioned it there, Danny, with fans. Realistically, when's Ever the time that they usually get that many fans as it is even in a quarter filled villa park it's a great experience albeit it's not the full experience but just getting in front of a large group of fans is in my opinion just another step on getting them to the next level whether it be with villa with whoever and i i think the best thing with that is just it gets them in the mentality of where can I go from here? Is say 500 people being frustrated because I missed the goal or cheering me on 3000 odd because I just scored an absolute worldie. It's just good to get them in the mentality that you know what, there's outside pressure. And when you're in a youth set bubble, you don't always kind of face that. So once again, of course, they proved in the actual FA Cup against Liverpool. They handled themselves very well in difficult circumstances. And then just doing the club proud again today has just been wonderful. And Seb, I'll come to you. Obviously, we're, we're not going to lie on this podcast. Of course, you were working. You were making the dollar dollar bills. Of course, um, you have to support yourself. I understand that you got to do all that kind of stuff. And you miss this game. But what are your thoughts on the youth setup as a whole, where it's going to come from and where it is now?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you made some good points. I was guided not to watch it. I'll always, you know, support whichever Villa team's playing, um, whether that be the youth setup, whether that be the men's or women's team. You know, if they're Aston Villa, then I'm interested. I think it probably whets the appetite for the players, having the fans there, knowing that the potential is there for them to, go and grasp that opportunity now to do that every week, do that in front of, you know, 40,000 instead of 10,000. It was nice for the people that were back there. I mean, I experienced it on Sunday with Chelsea, but it would have been nice for the people to be back inside Villa Park, watching whatever game possible. And I think full credit has to go to Christian Perslow, NSWE, Dean Smith, and all involved for, not neglecting the youth academy like it has been in recent years down at Villa Park and showing some real faith in them and even bedding in one or two or three with Ramsey, Chuck Wameka and Villa Jean Bidas within the first team this year. You know, I think the, the trust that he has in them will shine through that training training room and, um, You know, when they're talking about it in the dressing rooms after, you know, they'll be going, Oh, yeah, I was on the bench. I I made my first team appearance this week. The other players will go, Oh, I want to do that. I've got to work as hard as them. And it creates almost a professional atmosphere where everyone's trying to better everyone to make them all better.
1: Yeah, massively. And I think it kind of, not even just that, but even on the business kind of standpoint of things, it's all about sustainability. Finally, this football club is in the latest century in terms of you need a good youth set up to, you know what, even if they're not going to make your first team, they can make someone else's. There's profit to be had there. And it's just kind of that whole mentality of having kind of professionalism from the very earliest of age groups all the way to the top and kind of using it as a, perfectly kind of sounding engine all the cogs are going perfectly and I feel like that's what we're finally getting of course you know what we're still maybe behind in some instances to um, you look at your cities and of course other teams that can throw way more than anyone else but that's to be expected of course with the financial backing that they have but it's it's just so exciting to see how far not just this team but the whole youth setup as a whole has come since Two years ago, it's astounding, isn't it, Danny?
3: Yeah, 100%. I think, I think, um, this is probably the best group of youngsters that we've had for a very long time. Um, I think it was 2002 was the last time we won that FA Youth Cup. Wait, you say, did you say controversial? No, I said 100%. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, no, 100%. Man, like, I think I looked at those players and I just think to myself, every single one of those guys has potential. Now, obviously, not all of them are going to make it, but I think if I think the point of a youth academy is that if three or four of them do make it, then you're really sort of rolling in it. And yeah, as you say, you want them to go out, go on and be successful footballers wherever they go to. You know, it depends how you measure success. If 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 all of those if if most of those lads go out and play League One, League Two Championship football, fantastic. You know. Um, and I think that's that's the thing. I think Villa are making themselves a team where where young players will want to come from come to you know they'll look at that youth setup and think you know even with that FA Youth Cup final now under our belt young players are going to look at that and go right this is the place I want to be this is the place for my development I don't want to go to Manchester United I don't want to go to Liverpool I, I, I don't want to go to Manchester City where it's you know completely sort of where it's where it's way more difficult to get into the team I want to come to Villa they've got to like build themselves as sort of like the land of, of opportunity which is why Sort of like next season we're gonna to need to see the Chuck Warmakers come through. Um and for what it's worth, right, Chuck Womaker wasn't even the best player on the pitch today. Like Arjun Reiki was brilliant. You know, there was there, there was a lot of decent performances out there. And it's not the one it's not necessarily the ones that we've been talking about. So, um, fair play. I think the what was it, the first goal was scored by Ben Christine, mm-hmm. who obviously we signed uh, from the lower leagues. Uh I Exeter. Think, yeah exeter city that's right um but he, he you know he hasn't had first team football with us that's fine because we we're, we're trying to take again that youth team up to a certain level um we want it almost works like the england of the 21 setup doesn't it it almost works like that in in the sense that you want these players to maybe kind of work together so that when they get into the first team they can they've already got that chemistry they've already got that villa sort of mentality in them and we saw that Um, so Ben Christine scored that first goal but obviously it came from a brilliant Villa move the way that the the Villa play out the back uh, the way that the only the only time we concede is when we make our own mistakes like uh, it's just forward thinking football and I think even with the penalty today as well you know Villa deserved it it was well put away and just yeah constantly creating chances just just all over them and as I say outplayed them just outplayed Liverpool it's just not something you expect to see
1: yeah, I, I, and the one player I will probably speak highest about today is Kane Kessler. He is your go-to wing back. The man was playing everywhere. He has an absolute engine on him. The fact that I would see him one second just breaking up play at the back, two seconds later he's on a break up the right-hand wing above everyone else. He just has the legs to him. And you can see that there's parts of his game where he's not afraid to take on an opportunity. He's also not afraid to kind of sacrifice an opportunity as well. You know what? Maybe there's a smarter play as well. So that's great to see. Um, I can't remember the other one, Brad Young as well. Um, I mean, there's just so many. You can go on and on about probably each individual player in particular. But I I think the other thing too, Danny, that maybe we haven't mentioned Is, I'm, oh, I guess you kind of did there. You touched on with the style play. The style play is mirroring the first team. And that's the most important thing. Probably five years ago, um, you could probably argue that in some setups, you would have the first a first team playing say attacking football kind of running gun stuff the younger setups may not even play that way it may be a particularly different brand of football all in all and it's kind of it's great to see that it's just going from the top to the bottom in terms of play style mentality and all that kind of stuff as well so so i
3: don't i don't know i don't know how much dean smith is is kind of behind that yeah but 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 Brentford. Like the reason why they were able to to bring in good young players and the reason why, why Brentford have been successful like past Dean Smith is because, you know, down, down their academy, down their sort of like reserves and everything, they play the same style of football. The coaches play the same style of football. And it seems like at Villa, it's we're trying to do a similar thing here. I'm not saying that Brentford are the model, but really it's Barcelona that's the model. Barcelona's yeah. the model. Brentford copied that. Barcelona and Ajax is the model. <laughs> Brentford copied that. And we're kind of trying to follow that. Now, in 2021, does that still work? I don't know. It's not that we're trying to play tiki-taka. But the idea is that, is that there's a brand and there's an identity. How long have we been waiting for an identity of football? So many clubs throw away that, that abstract idea of one, that abstract notion of one. We're not the only team who talk about it you know Manchester United talk about it they try to find their identity Arsenal they they're trying to find their identity they don't know what their identity is Liverpool okay they might have it under Klopp you know the Gagan pressing thing but for us it's the fact that we're seeing that now it's really really quite promising
1: yeah it goes beyond Dean Smith too I mean say if I mean there's always a shelf life on shelf life I should say on every manager of course and even if he's gone in, say, two years, whatever it is, I think we're going to stick to this. You're going to find another manager who can come in and try to play that brand that suits the club. When can you ever have said that in the past? You had Paul Lambert come in, who I don't even want to go on about. You have Steve Bruce come in. I mean, maybe there's just a theme of boring kind of setting plays and managers there, I guess. Maybe maybe that's not the best example. But it's just been far too long where it's been – okay someone else comes in things need to change okay it doesn't go well next person can they make it kind of fix and it's not even just the manager it's the whole club needs to be going in one motion one direction together um first time of me being a villa fan seeing this and i mean it's just brilliant to see but uh seb do you have any thoughts on it
2: yeah i think daniel's summed it up perfectly to be honest um i think the Probably the last manager we had that didn't neglect the youth squad is probably Tim Sherwood. Uh, obviously, he brought through the one and only Jack Grealish. I think I remember rightly that he brought through Kane at Spurs as well, so he hasn't got a bad record at all. But, um, yeah, like I said, massive uh praise has to go to Christian Perslow because I remember one of the first things that he wanted to integrate when he was first appointed is the the setup that in your youth squad, say you have an under-19 squad, you should have 16, 17, 18-year-olds playing, the best in the world. You shouldn't have 19, 20-year-olds playing that are still ready to make that push forward. And he said something like, if you're not in the first team by 21 and 22 you're probably not going to make it at all, which is why we decided to let Callum O'Hare go, which at the time seemed a really controversial decision, but now it looks like it's probably for the best. I mean, I'd say Chuck us probably on his level already, if not progressing further and quicker with the squad that he's at. The interesting comparison to Brentford is the fact that a few years ago, I don't know whether it was under Smith or not, one of you will have to correct me on this, but they they actually got rid of their youth squad and they, they have a Brentford team and a Brentford B team. So it can be any age group and it will just be that B team that represent any ages. So whether Villa decide to move to that in the future, because obviously it's working well at the moment, but say in two, three, four years' time, if these players haven't progressed as we'd probably expected them to, maybe we could see a big reshuffle and and go to the same sort of philosophy?
3: I think, I'm not sure if it's the same thing. Um, I'm not sure it's something that Villa would would necessarily do because I think sometimes teams try to adopt that model and they get rid of their academy. Um which obviously like Birmingham City have done. Like Birmingham City did yeah and that did not go down did not go down well. I'm yeah. not sure exactly what Brentford's setup is but I I can't see us moving in that direction so to speak. But that's quite an interesting model the B team model. The yeah, only what you
2: about it is because um ex Villa player Aaron Presley's heavily involved with their B team. I think he joined them. At the time where they still had their youth squads, and then I think a few weeks later it all it all changed. So it'd be interesting to hear what he thought on it. Mm, fair play.
3: Yeah, I've got to. I've got to, I've got to look into that Brentford B team model a little bit more. I'm not sure. Do they have an academy?
2: I don't think they do. I think it's just the B team, and they'll they'll look for the best 19, 18, 17 year olds and stick mm. them in the B team. I think. I mean, I I could be talking out my ass here, but I'm someone sure. Correct me.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm sure sure Cole can edit it once he double checks
1: this. (laughs) Great, more work to do. Thank you guys very much. But uh, I guess maybe one way to kind of end this part of the podcast and almost kind of end it as a whole, we'll we'll kind of do a little bit of a kind of triangular, triangular table, if I can get that out of my mouth properly, in terms of who we're most looking forward to coming through the ranks at Villa right now. So, Danny, I'll start with you.
3: Um, I'm going to big up my boy Arjun Reiki just because um, I, I, I know that, you know, he's not talked about enough, but uh, the level of passing that this guy has is is brilliant. Um, you know, you talk about sort of Ross Barkley and the way that he's, that, you know, you expect him to play in number 10 and then kind of drop back and all that kind of thing. Arjun Reiki does that really well. You know he. You see him. You see him kind of push up uh, in a more functional way. By the way, I should. I should just say. You see. You see him. You see him push up the pitch and kind of get involved in the tax, But at the same time, you see him drop deep and spray passes about. Um, Punjabi PLO is what I like to call him. We'll see. We'll see if that one sticks. But I know that he's. Um, I know that he's got a lot of support from the Asian community in Birmingham, and I think I'd love to see another South Asian player come through at Villa. I know Issa Suleiman kind of. Um, you know, it never really happened for him in the Villa first team, but um, I'd love to see, you know, uh, Reiki following like Neil
2: Taylor's footsteps and, and uh, yeah, make us all proud.
1: Absolutely. Seb, how about you?
2: I think I could probably list any single one of those players that played tonight and you wouldn't be able to disagree. But for me, I think you touched on him. Perfect captain material. I mean, he's a, typical dean smith fullback if you like but kane kessler hayden he just he screams what we've been missing out for in recent years
1: yeah massively uh you you took mine so i was gonna go with kane kessler as well i mean he just i i don't know if it's hard to get excited about a, a fullback or not but it's just the way he plays the engine um i'm just excited to see what else he can add to his game he's just so young and you kind of think, you know what? You add a few more different kind of uh, skills to that already impressive skill set, and uh, he could be a dangerous player. And you know what? Maddie Cash could be looking kind of behind him with a little bit of uh, fear and kind of the sense of, you know what? If I don't put in the shift continually, this young guy's on my back. So that's more than good to see. But, uh, anyways, guys, before we wrap it up per se these guys know oh, what i'm talking no. about oh, but no. anyways is there is there anything else we should bring up before we uh finish things off <laughs> no nah, i think we're all good man i think it's been no no i, think no, it's been I don't decent.
2: think we are i don't think we are yeah. and I'm, I'm gonna rat him out here. <laughs> and i think the viewers will will love me for it but off air cole was saying that he's recently written wrote that's really bad of me really by recently bad. he
3: means in like the last 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> he's
2: he's pieced together a little rap about one of our players i mean i'm not gonna big him up too much because i don't want to put the pressure on his shoulders for it to all flop and him look an embarrassment however i am just gonna link it in cole take it away
1: okay so the whole backstory of this is we were talking about Drake and rapping and stuff. And when Seb was talking, of course, I was still listening. So I'm still being a good host. But I thought, you know what? Let's it's it's the last podcast of the season. Of course, it's done now. Let's let's end it off with some positivity um, and embarrass myself before we bring out our kind of season in review pod. Of course, it's only about six lines long. It's very short. Awesome. Um, I'll turn my I hat backwards. I just want to point out,
2: me and Daniel haven't heard this. So this will be our live reaction to it.
1: And of course it it's about Courtney Hawes because he, he has a single out there. Um, Paul's just he, put his flap put his uh cap on backwards. <laughs> I have to get into it around on his S- head. Swi- is
2: in a Justin Bieber.
1: C C pet C Swizzy's out now. So uh Oh my god. Let's uh let's get this out. Uh, there won't be any beat, so this might be really tone deaf and uh whatever. <laughs> I'm this is gonna be terrible. Sp- it's
3: spoken word. It's spoken word.
1: What kind of beat should I go with? Like uh Oh, kind of-
3: oh, it's, fine. No, it's fine it's spoken spoken word poetry come on let's go
1: okay so anyways yeah. Hossie's boss he's got to make a beat with rick ross his passing is good his heading is tight up the villa and you know what good night <laughs> i uh, you know what for coming up with that in 20 seconds i think that's pretty good you know what
2: i'm gonna take over cole's duty thank you all for listening so much you probably won't see him make another appearance on the podcast anytime soon daniel's got his head in his hands he's ashamed he wants to go to bed so do i that hurt my ears and it probably hurt yours too make sure to check us out on all social media accounts cole you're an embarrassment to us all
1: Uh, i appreciate it of course (laughs) no
3: no no Wait, wait! Can I just say something? Yeah. No, I I just wanna I just wanna say just 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 so just so I can rescue Cole from this from this embarrassment.
1: That <laughs> Danny Raz is um, not associated with this podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want no, I
3: just wanted to say I just wanted to say what a terrific job that Cole's done all season. Um yeah. He's been he's been encouraging us all to kind of like he's he's been here basically week in week out getting out you know previews and reviews. Uh, of all the Villa matches all season, and, and it's worth saying that Cole does this for free, pretty much. So um, I'd like
2: to echo that. Yeah, I
3: won't oh, say I won't, I, won't, I won't say for free. Uh, you know, this you know there, there might be a little. You know, there might be a couple of like you know backdoor deals going on. But, um, <laughs> yeah, co- <laughs> not Cole, no, <laughs> anytime soon, though. No, not a record deal, not a record deal. But no, Cole's, Cole, Cole put, spends a lot of his time um, editing the podcast, uh, encouraging us to to get on the podcast
1: and uh yeah it's been a terrific season for for cole and the Hulk cast so yes yeah, what to say well done to him well i appreciate it danny um i was gonna give your thank yous till the season review so i can thank simon as well and everybody so i'll hold that till then i'll take all the glory because of my rap uh, drizzy drake hit me up I'll, I'll take anything right now i still have school debts to pay off so Hit me up. I'm I'm always here for a good uh, a good sick beat. But anyways, we'll we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much, guys, for joining me. Of course, you can find Danny on Twitter at Razzajerno. You can find I almost said Simon Sev on Twitter at sebastianbacon Eight. I'm just so used to Simon being here. I just it's in my mind now with that outro. But anyways, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa as well. Tweet the team at seventy five hundred to Holt. Email the podcast Holtcast at gmail.com that's it guys the season's over thank you very much for joining us it's uh i just love doing these it's always fun to chat with friends that i consider friends now i should really say um i don't know if this makes sense i'm still kind of fuming over my uh my beat not going well in the minds of these two fellows but anyways we'll leave it there we'll be back with a season review very shortly and don't forget uh, the villa